All right. Well, as you uh, probably noticed, our pastor's not here today. Uh, he has asked me to uh, share a word with you today, so I'm going to do that. Is that okay? All right. I guess that was kind of a loaded question. What if you guys said no? <laughs> no, get out of here. All right, then we're all done. All right. Today, what I'm going to talk about is I would like to spend some time talking about something called patience. It's something we all need, but something we all struggle with. I know I do. Patience is included when the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, not to be confused with the gifts of the Spirit. A lot of people confuse those two. They, they think the gifts are the fruit, and the fruit is the gifts. So uh, before we dial in on patience specifically, I would like to spend some time discussing the gifts versus the fruit of the Spirit and how they manifest in our lives. To begin with, to receive the gifts as well as the fruit of the Spirit, we must first receive the Holy Spirit. Right? So how do we do that? The Holy Spirit is the presence of God sent to us after Jesus ascended to heaven. So Paul said in 1 Corinthians... For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we all were made to drink of one spirit. So what that means to me is the Holy Spirit is here for all who receive Jesus Christ as a Savior, regardless of where you come from, who you are. Jew or Greek, Slaves are free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So again, my interpretation of that word is, should we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior, as well as repent of our sins, we'll be saved. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, and we will receive the Holy Spirit to help guide and help us. Jesus took the disciples aside, and he let them know just before he ascended into heaven, that he will be bringing the Holy Spirit down to help them as he left. For as God brought Jesus, Jesus ascended back to God and he sent the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here, still here today. Our pastor talks about him as the hardest working man in the universe, in the world. So he's here, he's, he's helping us, he's guiding us, he's keeping our, us straight uh, in the present, in the uh, on this earthly realm. So, as we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive access to the gifts of the Spirit, as well as the fruit of the Spirit. So, uh, for the for the Scripture, we're going to start with First Corinthians twelve seven through eleven. You don't have that? Did I not give you? Oh, I'm sorry. I said I would read that one, didn't I? Okay. My bad. The gifts of the Spirit are special gifts that support a child of God to help further along the kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, and I had to kind of look into that to really understand what that meant, to distinguish between good, a good spirit or a bad spirit, to interpret what's going on, how a person is presenting themselves to you. Well, is it a good spirit or is it a bad spirit? And to another, various kinds of speaking in tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. How these gifts manifest within us relies not only on the will of the Father, but our faith and our willingness to accept and embrace such gifts. So to recap, the gifts of the Spirit are going to be wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. So these are the gifts of the Spirit. They're not the fruit of the Spirit. And what I learned in my research and in my uh, studies is um, these gifts, God knows what gifts you need to better your walk in Christ and better your ability to move and progress in the kingdom of God. So some of us may have the gift of tongues. Some of us may have the gift of prophecy. Some of us may have multiple gifts. But God decides where to plant those seeds and how much of it to put in each person. And, and it's really about the best, making you the best you can be as being a Christian to better the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Okay, that made sense to me. In receiving the Holy Spirit, we can also look forward to receiving the fruit of the Spirit. So the 12 fruit of the Spirit is charity or love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, mildness or gentleness, faith, modesty, self-control, and chastity. Now I had to look up, does it, I had to look up long-suffering. I don't know if you know what that means, but I had to look it up. And um, what I got out of that is uh, there's patience and there's long-suffering. Long-suffering is to distribute, uh, to display patience in times of trial, in times of turmoil, in times where... Um, suffering, things like that. So I had to look that up. It's amazing you read something a million times and you really don't always really know the exact definition of the word. So all these fruits of the, the I said it wrong, to the fruit of the Spirit, these are all personal characteristics that will manifest in us as we grow in Christ and reflect God's goodness. Now notice when we, discuss, when we discuss the gifts, 
we spoke about them in plural. But when we referred to the fruit of the Spirit, we referred to it in singular form. Now, a lot of people will uh, present the fruit of the Spirit as the fruits of the Spirit because there's many of them, right? I just read them off. There's about 10 or so. But I believe that we should refer to it in a singular form as the fruit of the Spirit, and I'd like to talk about that. Why not say fruits of the Spirit? Because God is all-powerful, wise, and he knows the future, he knows exactly what gifts you will need for everything that will happen in your life. Those are the specific gifts that God will help manifest in you. Some will be gifted in some areas, some in others. Now, this is the good news. The fruit of the Spirit, however... All the, it's a list of the character blessings that are all become available to those who walk in the Spirit. So whereas if you receive Christ and you start to walk in the Spirit, you may receive some of these gifts, but maybe not so much some of the other gifts. It's all possible, but God knows your future. But the good news is as you receive Christ and as you walk in the faith, the fruit of the Spirit, all the characteristics that I mentioned are all available for you. So you can look forward as you start walking in the Spirit. You, could, you can look forward to experiencing charity, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, mildness or gentleness, faith, modesty, self-control, and chastity. So these are all things that you can look forward to. Just as a good tree bears good fruit, as the Holy Spirit is seated in you, it will bear its own fruit. That fruit is not just one of the above mentioned, but all. So if I could compare it to... Um, I wanted, to, I wanted to compare it to uh, Aaron Rodgers, but I thought that would excite Chris too much, so I'm going to compare it to Tom Brady. So if I could compare it to Tom Brady uh, uh, being a good quarterback. Tom Brady is in excellent shape. He's very intelligent. He can throw the ball a long way. He makes fast decisions. He sees the whole field. These are all components of Tom Brady being a good quarterback, right? So all of them lend themselves to the fact that Tom Brady is a good quarterback. If you took one away, if he was not able to make a fast decision, if he was not able to throw the ball a long way, if he was not in top physical condition, he might not be a great quarterback. So all these things work together to make Tom Brady a good quarterback. Does that make sense? So charity, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, long-suffering, faith, modesty, self-control, and chastity, these are all components of receiving the fruit of the Spirit. When we receive the fruit of the Spirit, these traits don't 
all just pour out of us like a fountain right away. We can't just say we receive Christ and then all of a sudden it's all in us, ready to work. It's not that simple. Just as we need time to grow and mature as we walk in the Spirit, it takes time, trials, and experiences for the fruit of the Spirit to grow and manifest in us. This can especially be said, in my opinion, for my topic today, which is patience. As I said in the beginning, patience is something that we all need, but we sometimes struggle with it. This topic touched my heart because it's one of the things that I struggle with. I struggle with patience. Does anybody else struggle with patience? You don't got to raise your hand. Okay, that's cool if you do. But it's something, uh, I think it's something most all of us struggle with. Anyone who says they have no issue with patience has never driven on Hall Road at 6 p.m. on a weekday. Or North Brown Van Dyke if you don't get on Hall Road very much. My suggestion is when you're in those situations, when you find yourself on Hall Road at 6 o'clock in the evening on a weekday, have the Christian music on in your car. Because it's a little harder to have a fit in traffic while you're singing How Great Thou Art. But I've done it. I've been sitting there in the car, had the radio on, singing the splendor of the king. Come on! You ever do that? I've done that. I like to be transparent. I like to be transparent. I try, I walk in the spirit, but um, I still got a lot of cleaning up to do. So that's what patience is all about, right? Growing. Told that joke and lost my place. All right, here we are. Another situation that tries my patience, tell me if you can relate to this, is the checkout line at Kroger's. That tests my patience. Because I'm the one that does the shopping, and... uh I don't go there every day for a loaf of bread or a package of crackers. We wait. We get a decent cart of groceries, and I here I come with my big cart of groceries, and sure enough, there's two registers open. It's backed up 17 customers deep, and they're looking at me like, just use the U-Scan. You ever try checking out $150 worth of groceries from the U-Scan? You know what I'm talking about? It's not cool. So, one, so I'm already mad because I can't get checked out, right? So I'm taking my $150 worth of groceries to the U-Scan that has a carousel with four little bags in it, right? So I'm about 25% through my order, and I've ran out of bags. So now I figure, okay, that's fine. I'll just pick this bag up, put it in the car, get another bag. So I do that. And here comes a little computer system. Please put your purchased orders back in the cart, back on the carousel. I'm like, I can't. So I'm sitting here arguing with the computer that don't even know I exist. So I'm sitting there yelling, I can't do that. And here comes a little lady trying to help me. Can I help you? Yes, you can help me by firing up a register and checking out my groceries. So then in my impatience, and I know it's not her fault. But I got to get it out somewhere. 
I don't yell at her, but I kind of yell at her direction. So I'm like, I don't recall getting a second job as a checkout boy at Kroger's. You know? So the checkout line at Kroger's really tests my patience. And it never works out for me. It's not like I get mad and then all of a sudden the Kroger people all of a sudden redesign what they're doing and they open up a lane just for me and that never happens. So at the end of the day, I walk away just being mad. Losing patience never seems to work out the way you want it to. Um, I would like to uh, go over a number of scriptures that talk about patience. So let's see what God has to say about the subject and these words and how these words apply to our lives. Okay, first one. Uh, now we're ready. First one, we're going to go to Psalms 46, line 10. There it is. Okay, the word says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heaven, among the heathen, and I will be exalted in the earth. To me, this is a message of reassurance. It is very tempting to fall to worry in times of trial and kind of forget that God will reign supreme for those who know him. He instructs us to trust him and reassures us that his power will be realized throughout the world. So he says, be still. Be still means don't panic. Stay where you are. Be patient and know that I am God. And even though you can't see it, I've got it covered. I like the fact that I have a God like that. Amen? Amen. Let's move forward. My next one is going to be 2 Peter 3, line 8. Okay, good. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. One day is of a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. To me, this is a scripture of reminder. We look forward to God's blessings, but we want it right now, right? I want my blessing right now. I can't wait. I deserve it. Give it to me now. How does that work out for you when you act like that? We live in a microwave society where things can happen immediately. We have our cell phones, our laptops, our Amazon next day shipping, and our DoorDash, just to make a few suggestions and examples. If we want to look something up, it takes us about two seconds. If we want to order something, rather than go to the store and get something and come get it and put it back, we, we, can, we can order it on Amazon and get it, get it the next day. We are used to, as a, as a society, to getting things we want when we want it. We may want our blessings now, 
but God isn't going to give them to us until we are ready to receive them. And we probably don't always agree with his opinion on that. When am I ready to receive that blessing? Have you ever gotten a new job you wanted only to realize it wasn't what you expected? I did that. I spent years at my work trying to pursue a uh, group leader position. And uh, I got turned down, got turned down, got turned down. And I was getting impatient about it. In fact, in one of my last interviews, I, I told the people that interviewed me this was probably not a good thing. I told them, uh, you know, I was positive that you ran out of people to pick over me, but I guess you didn't. They didn't laugh at that. <laughs> so I was getting impatient, and I was applying for the next round of it, and uh, a wise man, his name is Jack Levine, I talked to him about it, because back then when Jack was with us, and if I ever needed some kind of advice or I was ever struggling with anything, I, I'd go to him a lot, because he had a very... Uh, a very wise way about him, and he had a way of just knowing what to say to you. And I love that man. I trusted him. So I would go to him with my vulnerabilities. I would go to him and tell him, you know, I should have gotten this job a bunch of times already, and I'm getting upset that they're not picking me. So Jack reminded me, and the job would have been a midnight shift job. It would have been. If I had gotten the job, it would have been a midnight shift job. And that job would have possibly affected what I do here in this church, what I do with the youth ministry, the young adults youth group I do on Sunday evenings. Uh, I coach high school sports. It would have made that impossible. So everything that I really get joy from right now probably would have changed for the worse had I got that job. And I didn't realize that back then. But Jack's wise words told me, no blessing is a burden. So if you can look at this job and you can say you'll be blessed by it, then you go for it. But you look at it, because I had some reservations as well. But he said, you look deep into it and you pray about it. And if God tells you it will be a blessing and not a burden, you go for it. If he doesn't, don't. It was that simple. So I got to looking at it and all that it inquired and all that I would have to do and all that I would have to be to be a manager. And I decided it wasn't worth it. I had another opportunity to be a plant rep years ago, but it would have involved me spending weeks on the road out in Kansas City and other places like that and I turned that down because it would have taken me away from here. It would have taken me away from my wife. So I weighed the pros, which would have been a better paycheck, uh, rented cars, nicer wardrobes, things like that. I would get to spend my days selling people, talking to people, and I felt like that was what I could do. Rather than working with my back, I'd be working with my mind, I'd be working with this. So that made me happy. But then when I, would pray, when I weighed out all the things that were against it, I decided it was too much of a burden. 
So God reminds us that our time is not his time and our ways are not his ways. If we remain patient and give it to God, he will bless us when, he, when we can get the best out of it. So be patient when waiting for your blessings. Amen? All right, let's move forward. Next, we're going to have Romans 8, 24, and then 25. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? Right? I'm not, I didn't walk up here today, see Tim sitting in the pew and say, man, I hope Tim comes to church today. Because I see him, he's right there. We don't hope for what we see. But every time I come up on this podium and I look out there and I don't see Tim sitting in the pew, I hope he's okay. And he's doing all right. So that's what I hope for. I hope for what I don't see, right? Amen. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. To hope for something that is right in front of you is futile. When we are hoping for things such as healing, breakthroughs, blessings, these are all things that require time to realize. To trust Lord is to wait patiently. That's the thing about patience. Patience requires time, right? And if you're looking for things like blessings, breakthroughs, healings, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen anybody pray for a breakthrough and have it happen the very second they, they ask for it. There's always, a, there's God's timing in that, right? And it can always be hard to sit in that wilderness and wait for your blessing or your healing or your breakthrough. But to be patient is to trust in the Lord that his will will be done at the end of the day and it will benefit you. Because my idea of blessing isn't always the same as his. So if I ask for a blessing, he may need to tweak it a little bit or help me come to the understanding that I really should be looking at it this way. Right? I think God works in all of us like that. Amen? All right, let's move on. Uh, next we're going to have Hebrews 12 and 2. All right. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. There was never a better example of patience endured than that of Jesus. From the beginning of his ministry, he knew the outcome. He knew. He spent three years walking this earth, teaching the kingdom of God, preaching, performing miracles, grand things, and he didn't sit up in the highest of hotels or have the best clothes or the best food or the best water. He walked. He slept out on the, on, the, on the ground. He was dirty. He was hungry. He did all that knowing 
that at the end of it, he would die a terrible death. But he endured that. He endured that. And he did it because he knew at the end of it, God's will would be done and we would be saved. He did that for us. Hallelujah indeed. So from the beginning of his ministry, he knew the outcome. For three years, he sought after his father's will, preaching the kingdom of God, performing miracles, and finally being captured, tortured, and killed to fulfill God's will, which was to pay the price for the sins of mankind. I would have wanted to quit. He remained steadfast. And thank God for that. You know, let's do this. Let's, uh, for that, let's praise God for that. Let's give God a hand praise. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So let's move on. Next, we're going to go to Colossians 3 and 13. Okay, good. Bearing with one another... And if one had, has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So this one's one on forgiveness. Forgiving one another can have a lot to do with patience. It seems easy enough just to forgive someone and try to move on. But what if the reason you forgive does not change or the person does not change? What if you try to forgive someone and they're just the same old person the next day that they were when you forgave them? The word says forgive and then forgive again and then forgive again, right? That requires patience. I'm a guy who needs closure. That's just my, that's my fleshly side. So when I forgive and I still see the same people doing the same things it just fires me all up all over again then I got to start from scratch and I got to forgive that person all over again so what if the reason you need to forgive does not change for the better how many of us would become impatient and just want to give up on forgiving you ever been in that situation this person's not hearing it. I'm not going to waste my time anymore. I'm not going to forgive this person anymore because they don't want to change. That's not what it's about. Forgiving someone is not, is not making them change. Forgiving someone is taking their burden from your shoulders and giving it to God. Amen? So realizing that for me took patience. We need to remain steadfast and forgive time and again, just as the Lord has done for us. I can't tell you how many times Jesus has forgiven me. He'll probably do it a few more times before I go to sleep tonight. And I'm so thankful that he's patient enough not to give up on me. Amen. Can you relate to that? All right, let's move on. The next scripture I'd like to talk about is uh, Revelations 3 and 10. Because you have kept my word without patient 
because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. This is a promise to those who received Christ and remained patient. They would be spared from the tribulation. No man knows the day or the hour of the coming of the Lord. However, the faithful know that salvation is well worth the wait. I've known about this for a long time. I received God. I received Jesus a long, long time ago, and I knew that part of that was to be, when the end of times came, Jesus would take those who received him and rise them up. And that the biggest deal is that I would see God one day in the kingdom of heaven and I would get to see his face. I would get to walk upon his streets of gold. I would get to put aside this painful life and just live a life with him. So you, I, I received that a long time ago. But how long will we wait for it to manifest? How long will we wait for our blessings to manifest? How long will we wait for our healing to manifest? Be patient. So I thought I would close out with a story out of Luke about a man named Simeon who patiently waited for his great reward. There's a lot of books in the Bible about patience. Uh, There's Job, there's Abraham, there's Jesus in the wilderness. Um, We've done those so many times. We've heard about those so many times, and they're all relevant. But this is one that I was a little unfamiliar with, so I thought I'd study on it, and I thought I'd present it. It It was a good word. So what did I say? That was, yep, Luke 2 and 25. And I'm just going to read through this story, and then we'll close. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. In that day when you had a baby, it was the law of the Jewish land that you had to consecrate that baby to the Lord. You had to present him or her. It had to be, there was a, a ritual involved, and it was just something you had to do. So as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, which would be a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So they started going to Jerusalem with Jesus and their sacrifice, and they were going to consecrate their baby. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and he was devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord, Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. I think about that today. If you brought your baby into the church and somebody you didn't even know just grabbed him in their arms, you'd feel a little weird about that, wouldn't you? But Simeon just took umbrage. He said, hey, Jesus. 
If I was marrying Joseph, I'd be like, hey. But God was in control of that situation, so they allowed it. So Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. So Simeon knew because the Holy Spirit told him that until he saw the Messiah, he could not die. I don't know how old Simeon was, but he had to have been a bit on the older side because he was thinking about dying. But he was rejoicing because he had finally found the Messiah and the promise of the Lord could be fulfilled. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of of all nations, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So Simeon was prophesying there. He was saying, and the Holy Spirit filled him in on this, that this baby that I hold in my arms, this is the Messiah, this is the one that will be responsible for the salvation, and it's going to be there for the whole world to see and a revelation for not only the Jews, but all people. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So what he was saying to Mary was this child is going to grow and he's going to be one that raises people up and he's going to be ones that, one that tears some people down. The people against God, the people that do not receive God, he's going, that's okay. Sounded like my phone. So I um, lost my place. That's okay and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign uh, that will be spoken against. He was talking about the, the unbelievers speaking against Jesus being the Messiah, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and, the sword, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now what I believe that last line means Simeon was telling Mary, at the end of this, your son will face a horrific time and it will pierce your soul. So Simeon was prophesying to Mary and letting her, letting her know just how important this baby is. It's not clear how long Simeon was waiting, but it writes about him previously waiting on the consolation of Israel, so I believe it was quite a while. He waited patiently, and when Mary and Joseph arrived, Simeon rejoiced in the fulfilling of the Holy Spirit's revelation and prophesying on what the young Savior was to become. Simeon remained steadfast. And as I close, I'd like to take a moment to show thankfulness and appreciation to what a thoughtful God we are blessed with. His word is clear and it's true. He's always there ready to provide and he is ready to bless us more than we can imagine. We just need to believe, receive, and have a little patience.